Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Today, it's my privilege to share again, and for the very first time in our new home, a word from God's word with you this morning. And so let's get started with it. And as usual, if you'd like um, a, a copy of my outline of the notes to take with you, then they're going to be available out there in the foyer. You can pick one up on the way out to take home with you if you would like. New home, but same year. Can you believe 2020 is halfway over? And I, I said it last week, I'll say it again. And it, partially, it's felt like 20 years, the year 2020, but in reality, it's only been six months. And this year, we are on a year-long theme called Solid. And we've been learning biblical foundations so we can be strong disciples. And all year long, we've been learning and saying that practicing... Come on, let's try that one more time. Practicing God's word makes me strong. And uh, for the past several weeks, right, uh, the month of June and then today, the first Sunday of July, we've been learning all about discipleship and leadership. And the title of our series has been, thank you, Chandra. You have been following very well, right? Follow me. We've been learning about following Jesus. Uh, the first Sunday, the title of our message was Rotten Underwear, right? And we learned that the rotten become righteous when we... Follow, you've really been on it. Thank you. The rotten become righteous when we follow Jesus. That's right. And then the second week, we learned about best practices. We learned, you know, that you can be a good or average disciple or you can be a great disciple. And there are some best practices that will help you not just be a good disciple, but a great disciple. And we learned that those were daily Bible reading being teachable, teachableness, and gathering. I'm telling you, Chandra is on it today. <laughs> and then last Sunday, we began to learn about leadership and that kingdom leaders are different. Leadership in the kingdom of God is not like leadership in the world, right? And we learned that above all, leadership is influence, right? Leadership is influence. And last Sunday, we looked at three things that kingdom leaders do, and that is Kingdom leaders serve. Kingdom leaders give. And kingdom leaders multiply, right? Leaders serve, leaders give, and leaders multiply, right? Now today, as we finish up, follow me. This will be our last Sunday on follow me. I'm going to continue with this idea of servant leadership. And I just want to say one more time, that Encounter Church, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of this family. And I believe Father God is so proud of this family because this family is full of servants. I'm looking at a bunch of servants. It's just amazing this past week. That, you know, we have um, so many of you that were here the past two weeks, really, landscaping, painting, cleaning, uninstalling and reinstalling cabinets. I mean, the list goes on and on of things that got done. And again, as Caleb said, many more things to be done. But you guys are such 
servants. You're such givers. You're so generous. And I really believe that you are what the world needs right now. And maybe you doubt it. But if you are a servant leader, you are exactly what our world needs, right? How many of us agree that the world needs some good leaders today? How many of us agree that in our nation we need some good leaders today, right? I believe I'm looking at a bunch of them. I believe you guys, I believe we are the answer to the, the, the leadership vacuum that we're experiencing in the world right now. Servant leaders. And today, we're gonna, again, we're gonna wrap up this series talking more about servant leadership. And the title of today's message is Peculiar Creatures. Turn to somebody and say, you look mighty peculiar. All right. Starting to loosen up. I feel like it's a little, maybe a little tense because we're not used to this building, right? It's kind of like, I'm not sure what's going on in here. All right, let's loosen up a little bit. Turn to somebody else and say, you really look peculiar. All right. I want to start with this. In your opinion, what is the strangest animal on earth? Somebody said butterfly. Lord, huh? Dung beetle. Half of you said duckbill platypus, which is my answer. I think the duckbill platypus is the strangest animal. Porcupine. Anybody else think there's something really, really strange? Leafy sea creatures, yes. Well, as we read the Bible today, I'm just going to warn you, it's going to be a little strange what we're going to read. Is that all right? How many of you know there's some pretty strange things in the Bible, but they're there to get our attention and teach us something, right? And it's going to get a little strange, but we must understand from what we're going to read today that truly godly leaders are going to be peculiar. When I say strange, I don't mean weird, but just different. The God type of leader is different. Okay, come on, let's say one more time, peculiar. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel. Anybody ever read, read Ezekiel? If you've ever read Ezekiel 1, you already know how strange it's about to get when we read, all right? Ezekiel along with Daniel and Jeremiah, okay, were prophets in a period of time called the exile, okay? And it's when the people of God, the people of Israel, because of their persistent idolatry and sin and rebellion against God, God withdrew his protection from them and he allowed them to be overrun by their enemies and then carted off to a place called Babylon. Everybody say Babylon. So Ezekiel had actually been taken with the exiles. He lived in Babylon where he received this vision. Who's ready for something peculiar? Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10. In fact, I'm going to read a couple of uh, passages from Ezekiel, and then we're going to read from the book of Revelation. Is that okay? Are y'all ready for this? Ezekiel 1. On July 31st of my 30th year, so he was 30 years old, while I was with the Judean exile beside 
the Kibar River in Babylon, the heavens were opened. Now listen, what does it mean for the heavens to be open? It doesn't mean that, that the sky was closed and it opened up. No, literally what it means is there's a natural world and a spiritual world and all of a sudden the barrier was torn and he could see into the spiritual world, all right? Are we good? The heavens were open. He could see into the spiritual world and I saw visions of God. This happened during the fifth year of King Je- Jehoiachin's captivity. The Lord gave this message to Ezekiel, son of Buzi, a priest beside the Kibar River in the land of the Babylonians. And he felt the hand of the Lord take hold of him. Woo. As I looked, this is Ezekiel now, I saw a great storm coming from the north driving before it a huge cloud that flashed with lightning and shone with brilliant light. There was fire inside the cloud, and in the middle of the fire glowed something like gleaming amber. Now, as I read it, don't just listen. Try to imagine it, okay? Try to see it in your mind. There was fire inside the cloud and gleaming amber inside. From the center of the cloud came four living beings. Come on, say peculiar. That looked human. Except that each had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight and their feet had hooves like those of a calf and shone like burnished bronze. Anybody ever seen the Chronicles of Narnia? Okay. Just, you can imagine something a little bit like that. Okay, so under each of their four wings, I could see human hands. So each of the four beings had four faces and four wings. The wings of each living being touched the wings of the beings beside it. Each one moved straight forward in any direction without turning around. Why? Because it had a face here, a face there, a face here, and a face there. So it could go straight forward without ever turning, okay? Now this is the important one we're going to really break down today. Each, each of the creatures had a human face in the front, the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle in the back. Say, peculiar. Now let's jump to Ezekiel chapter 10. This is a different day, a different time, a different situation. And Ezekiel is having another vision and he's seeing The same thing. He's giving us a description of basically the same thing. But this time, we get a very important word that we have to understand. And it's the word cherub. Say cherub. Cherub. Okay? Cherub, cherubs, or cherubim. Cherubim is plural of cherub. Each of the four cherubim had four faces. All right? He's seeing the same creatures. The, fa- uh, the, the first was the face of an ox. The second was a human face. The third was the face of a lion. And the fourth was the face of an eagle. And it's like Ezekiel's seeing the same ones, but he maybe now he's seeing them from a different angle because now he sees the face of each one of them. Cool? Are we good? Come on, say lion, lion. ox, ox. Human. human, eagle. Now let's go to Revelation. Is it okay if I get slightly geeky on you just for a second? We got anybody that's a little bit geeky? For those, of us, for those that may not be, you know, like all that, some of you are going to really like this, and it's going to send you home thinking. Ezekiel 
was a prophet who was exiled in Babylon. The prophecy of the book of Revelation was written by the apostle John who happened to be exiled to the island of Patmos, right? I'm not going to break that down, but there is a correlation between exile and prophecy. The most vivid prophecies in the Bible, a.k.a. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, come from the place of exile, and the most vivid prophecy in the New Testament, Revelation, comes from the place of exile. Go home and, and, and research that a little bit more. But let's read from Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. This is John, and he's saying, As I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here, and I'll show you what must happen after this. And instantly, just like Ezekiel, I was in the Spirit, right? Instantly, he heard the voice, and now he could see in the spirit. There was no barrier between the natural and the spirit world, and he could see. And I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne there were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. Say, Holy Spirit. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings. Here we go again. Say, cherubs. Cherubim. Each covered with eyes, front and back. That might be the most peculiar thing about these guys. <laughs> the first of these living beings was, guess what, like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy. Let's do that again. Holy, holy, holy. Come on, let's join with them and say it to the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and is still to come. You are holy, Lord. And we declare your holiness in our lives, your holiness in this place. Have your way in us today. What do you think about these peculiar creatures that we read about in both Ezekiel and Revelation? There's slight variation to each of their description, but they're all these things we call cherubs. Come on, say it again. Cherubs. What do you think about them? I find them so peculiar that I really had to look into why are these guys around the throne of God? I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about the place of all places in all of the cosmos to be. They're around the throne of Almighty God declaring holy, holy, holy. Come on, they're the cherubim, all right? Before we can move on, and before I can explain this practically, because believe it or not, this does have a practical explanation for us. Somebody say amen. We've got to remember one thing. 
And we learned it last Sunday. And that is this. Leadership in the kingdom of God is built upon the platform of servanthood. Jesus taught his disciples, if you want to be great, if you want to be a real leader, you first got to be the servant and slave of every, among everybody else, right? So leadership in the kingdom of God is built upon the platform of servanthood. Guess what a cherub is? A servant. But listen, cherubs or cherubim aren't just any servants, y'all. Look up the definition. Research what, because you have all different types of angels and guardians and warriors. And there's the seraphim also. But now we have the cherubim that we're looking at. The cherubs, okay, literally are the, this is their definition, biblical definition. They are the direct attendants of God. They don't serve God through others like we do. No, no, no. They directly at his throne serve and attend to God Almighty. That's what the cherubim are. They are angelic beings that directly attend and serve God. Okay? Now, these creatures, come on, say servants. These creatures around the throne represent and teach us about the character of God himself, right? Because we know God came as Jesus as a servant, right? Yes. But as we take a look at that, these creatures as like the perfect picture of a servant of God teach us what someone who wants to be a servant of God should look like. Does anybody in the house today want to be a servant of God? Oh, I'm glad a couple of people want to serve the Lord, right? Does anybody want to be a servant of God? Come on, we, we serve people. And one of the main ways we serve God is through serving people. But I want you to just put that aside for a moment, okay? When, don't think about serving people. Think about serving Almighty God. Now let me ask the question again. Does anybody in the house want to be a servant of God? Good. I'm glad we do. If you want to be a servant of God, you're going to look like a cherub. So turn to somebody and say, I see a cherub. I always knew you were an angel. All right. Cherubs are servants. And servants, we find here the, a, a vivid, peculiar description of what someone should look like if they want to be an attendant or a servant of God. The first one, all right, we have these creatures and they have four faces. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the four faces of God's servants. Are you ready? Face number one, a lion. Come on, somebody, roar. Oh, very good. All right. If you want to be a servant of God, you must be a lion. And lions represent courage. Courage, right? Another exiled prophet, Daniel, said this. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Let me just say this. 
The servants of God attempt hard things. If you want to be a servant of God, you're going to have to attempt hard things. Why can we, as servants of God, Daniel says, we can be strong and carry out great exploits, not easy things, great exploits, those are courageous things. Those are things that are challenging. Those great exploits, just not everybody does great exploits, right? I mean, look around you. Not everybody just does amazing things, right? If you want to do amazing things, if you want to carry out great exploits, especially for the kingdom of God, you've got to have courage. We've got to be bold and courageous like the lion. You know why we can be bold and courageous? Daniel says, those who know their God. It's not enough just to love God. You've got to know your God. And the more I get to know my God, I get to know He is bigger and He is stronger than the enemy. So I can have courage to do great things because my, I know who my God is. And by the way, he's invincible. He's unstoppable. Proverbs 21, uh, 28.1 says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them. It's the opposite of courage. But the godly are as bold as lions. As bold as lions. You know, it's so important. As servants of God, we must know who our real enemy is. We confuse who the enemy is. But if you're truly going to serve, if I'm going to truly serve God successfully, I've got to know who my enemy is. And listen, my enemy isn't people. Woo, that grin. Mm. Your enemy isn't the person that you struggle with. The enemy isn't the challenge you're facing. The enemy isn't the hurdles and the obstacles that you need to jump over and get through. There is an enemy. He's called the devil. You mean you believe in the devil like a real devil? Yes. And if you don't, you need, if you don't believe in the devil, he's already had his way with you. Because if he can convince you that the enemy's somebody else except him, you're in trouble. Servants of God must not only know their God, they need to know who their real enemy is. And we've got to know that our God is infinite times stronger than him. I know I say this often, but God and the devil are not equal. They're not, there's not this great battle between good and evil. And like good and evil are equal. And let's see which one wins. No. God is like me and the devil is like a cockroach under my foot. They are not equal in power or authority. God is infinite times more powerful than the devil. But you know what, Christians? We forget that. We give so much credit and we give so much attention to the devil. But we've got to know who he is for sure. But at the same time, be convinced like Daniel was. I know my God. Therefore, I will be bold and I will do great exploits for him. Amen? We got any lions out there today? 
I'm glad we got lions, but we also need some oxen. Face number two is the ox. And this is one. I hope you like it. And I know you're going to like it because I know you guys. You guys are this. An ox represents hard work. Mm. Proverbs 14.4 says, Without oxen, a stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Your life might be simple without working hard, but you're not going to have nothing. Let's apply that to the kingdom of God. We might have a nice new building, nice and clean. But if we're going to actually achieve something for our God in our city, it's going to require some hard work. Come on, say, I'm an ox. This is really important. And for this, I want to ask, I'm going to need a little help. Okay? Somebody uh, may be... Matt, Brian, come here, please. Sorry. Okay. I'm calling on him because he is a hard worker. Those of you that know Matt, he's a hard worker, all right? Come step up here with me. Thank you, Mr. Ox. All right. Oxen don't run fast. Then I'm saying he doesn't run fast, but okay. He probably used to. Okay. Oxen, oxen don't run fast. This is real important. Oxen don't run fast, they plod. Can you show us what it means to plod? (laughs) Come on, do this with me. One, two, one, two. Keep on going, keep on going, all right? Oxen don't run fast. Oxen look funny. (laughs) Oxen plod, all right? Just keep on going. Read your Bible, serve, give. Read your Bible, serve, give, multiply, read your Bible, pray, fellowship, serve, give, serve, give, read the word, pray, serve, give. Can we give our ox a great hand? Thank you. Oxen don't run fast, they plod. And what it means to plod, P-L-O-D, okay, it means Tedious work, tedious work, step by step, the same thing again and again. Not the same stupid things again and again, which will make you a foolish ox, but the same right things again and again and again and again this seems tedious guess what sometimes it seems tedious but those who are tedious with the right tedious things end up getting a big harvest i don't know who originally said this but they were a genius because i've heard many great leaders say this this is what they say success comes from doing a handful of correct things over and over and over. Not 20 correct, not 20 things. Not, I got the new best idea and then I got the next new best idea. No, no, no. Success comes from having, you know, I have a handful. I, I mentioned reading your Bible, praying, serving, giving. Three or four right things 
correct things, being committed to plodding, just doing it again and again and again because it's the right thing to do and it produces results. Amen? I read this scripture last week, but I wanted to read it again because Paul is a great example of the ox. Paul in chapter, uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by Thank you again. <laughs> Working hard. You are an example of the amen corner. All right. It is a corner now. All right. <laughs> you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. If the apostle Paul, the great apostle Paul, he, he didn't boast in amazing miracles that he performed because he did. He didn't boast in all the hundreds of churches and thousands of churches through his disciples that got planted he boasted in the cross and when he talked about his example he talked about hard work if the apostle paul worked hard i think you and i also ought to amen hard work a lot of people don't like hard things let's just be super honest a lot of people don't like to do hard things. A lot of people don't like hard work. Actually, I can't say I like it when I have to do something hard. I can't necessarily say I like working hard, but I do like the results. I do like the result of doing the hard thing and working hard and plotting, doing the tedious things again and again and again. One of the reasons we don't have many strong leaders in our society, and let me just say it, one of the reasons we don't oftentimes see a lot of really strong leaders in the church is because people don't like to work hard. People don't like to do hard things. When it gets hard, I've even, I've even this is something very much, and, and pardon me, millennials, I'm just going to pick on you for a second. Is that all right? Because at least half the building is millennials. And I am Generation X, okay, which is the transition, the transition between baby boomers and millennials. So I can identify with you baby boomers and I can identify with you millennials. And one thing I know as a partial millennial, as a partial millennial Christian, there are many who when they face something hard, they automatically discredit it as that's not of God. Because it's hard. It's just so hard. I don't feel peace about it. I'm not sure Jesus felt any peace about going to the cross. In fact, I know he didn't feel peace. He begged to the Father in Gethsemane, let this cup pass from me. This is too hard. But nevertheless, I'm going to do it anyway. We don't have strong leaders because we don't want to work hard. But that's not the case with Encounter Church. I'm looking at a bunch of oxen in the room today. Come on, can you roar like a lion? I don't know what sound an ox makes, but let's try. Oh, I don't know. I believe you are courageous like a lion, and I believe you are a hard worker like an ox. The third one is, the third face is the human. And the human face represents compassion. Compassion. Identifying with other people. 
Connecting with other people. Compassion. We're going to look at Mark chapter 6. And in Mark chapter 6, literally if you read leading up to this, it says that Jesus and the disciples were so busy with people coming to them that they didn't even have time to eat. Anybody ever been so busy you didn't have time to eat? So Jesus says, all right, boys, let's get in that boat and let's cross the lake. We need some me time. Any ever, anybody ever need some me time? Did I ever ask you for any me time? Okay. Sorry. Cora, did I ever ask you for any me time? Okay, some of us got that. Okay, movie, movie reference. All right. Jesus was trying to get some me time with his disciples. They were like, we, we need to eat. We need to breathe. We need to rest. So they're like, let's get in the boat and let's go across the lake and have some me time. And guess what? They get across the lake and guess who followed them across? Well, they went around the lake. They went around the lake. They're like, we know where they're going. <laughs> they're trying to get some me time over there. We're going to have some we time. So they get off the boat. Look what it says. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's getting late already. Send the crowds away so they can go to some nearby farms and villages to buy something to eat. Go bring us some food too, right? But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. And the rest of the story is there's a kid in the crowd who has some fish and some bread. And he says, you can have my fish and bread. And Jesus multiplies it and feeds over 5,000 people with just a little bit of fish and bread, right? That's the rest of the story. And I just want to say, you know, before I get onto this compassion thing a little bit more, as a pastor, I'm really proud. I'm very proud lately of a lot of things. I'm really proud of the compassion that's stirring in our church family right now. Last Saturday, there were two outreaches going on at the same time. One to homeless people and one to really hot and thirsty people in the park. Right? And there was another outreach to, to homeless people that happened yesterday. Listen, I believe we're a compassionate church. We've always been about reaching people. In fact, we started this church from scratch with just a few of us in my basement. And the first thing we did and what we continue to do is just reach people in our city. And, and it's all about having compassion for people like Jesus did. And I believe that the compassion level is just rising in our church family. We're compassionate towards our city. We're compassionate towards the nations. If you don't know this, we feed children in Cuba. We have uh, missions that we help feed kids in the Philippines. We work with an orphanage in Honduras. We do all these different things both here and in the nations. But I believe, Encounter Church, that our level of compassion is about to go through the roof. Because real, true servants of God have to be able to have the compassion of God to be able to not just serve God, but to serve the people he wants to serve, right? The king of the universe serving fish and bread to a big old crowd of people that most of them were there just because they wanted to eat. Mm. Servants of God are moved by the compassion that God has for the people that he loves. Just really quickly, let me break down compassion, and we'll move on to the final one. Compassion is more than pity, it's action. 
Compassion is more than just feeling sorry for someone in need. Compassion is action. Compassion is being moved to do something about the need that I feel pity for. Right? If I'm not moved to action, it's not compassion. It's just pity. And pity is good. We ought to feel pity. We ought to feel sorry for people that are suffering. And no, we cannot help everybody. But when we have the ability to help somebody, then when we act on it and we help them, it's real compassion. Compassion is action. Compassion meets people where they are. Right? Compassion meets people. And in this case, Jesus just met him as he got off the boat. Like, you're here. All right, well, we'll, we'll just keep on right here. Wait, wait. We don't, if we want to truly have compassion, we don't wait for people to come to us. And listen, in counter church, we're not just, wait, we, our doors are open, everybody's welcome. Guess what? Our doors are open, everybody's welcome. But last time I checked, most people don't come to church. We don't just wait for people to show up so we can help them. We've got to go where they are and bring them. Amen? Every one of you is a bringer. You're going to take his compassion to the community and you're going to bring people to Jesus, compassion goes the extra mile to help people when possible. The extra mile. Jesus didn't have to feed them. He could have taken the disciples' advice and said, okay, it's late. Y'all go on home now and eat supper. But he didn't. He went the extra mile to help feed these hungry people because compassion uses whatever I have to feed people. Now, obviously, this is not just food. In this case, it was food, but we see Jesus doing so many more compassionate things like healing the sick, like setting people free from demons. Listen, compassion may be for you giving somebody a ride, maybe helping a homeless person, maybe finding out that one of your brothers and sisters right here in the church family has a need, and you have what it takes to meet that need, and you go and you meet that need. Literally, compassion, there's endless ways to show compassion, but compassion goes to people and goes the extra mile to help them out. Amen? Amen. We've got to be bold and courageous like lions. We've got to work hard like the ox. We need to, be, we need to have that human face of compassion. And finally, the fourth face of the servants of God is the eagle, which is vision. Vision. Servants need vision. If I want to serve, I must see. If I want to serve, I must see. I need to, be, I need to see what God sees so I can serve Him. Have you ever found yourself like just quote unquote serving? And then it was kind of like, what am I even doing? It's important to have vision. It's important to see what God sees so I can serve in the right capacity. Eagles, the face of the eagle, eagles have a perspective no one else has because they fly so high, right? Eagles fly so high so they can see what no one else can see. Now this could be a very long drawn out explanation, so I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to say it quickly. These cherubs not only had the face of an eagle, but they also had wings and eyes all over. Come on and say wings and eyes. Eyes and wings. Very peculiar. God's servants. How many servants do we have? 
Can I see your wings? Don't hit nobody now. God's servants fly high. Come on, where's the wings? Fly high through prayer. The way we fly high like the eagle is through prayer. Because through prayer, we let those wings go. And what was under the wings? Eyes. When we fly through prayer like the eagle, we then see from a heavenly perspective. We can see what's ahead by the Holy Spirit if we'll fly high through prayer. Acts chapter 2, the promise for all of us that on all, get this, all the servants of God, he says, we will have visions and dreams. Visions and dreams for all the servants of God. How do I experience those visions and dreams? How can I have God's vision and see what's ahead by the Holy Spirit? Pray. Pray. Pray will turn you into an prayer will turn you into an eagle. Prayer will lift you high with the wings of the spirit and then with all the eyes that are under the wings you'll be able to have vision of what God sees and you'll be able to go ahead. Habakkuk 2:2. The Lord answered me and he said, "Write the vision. Everybody say vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Okay? This is it. I want you to really get this final thing here, all right? This is so important for all of us because I believe with my whole heart every one of us is going to be a successful servant of God. Every one of us is going to be a leader for the kingdom of God. I believe that. You're called to it. Leaders help people see the future and seize the future. Oh, let me say it again. If you want to be a successful servant, a leader in the kingdom, you've got to be like the eagle. You've got to have vision because leaders help people see the future, this is coming, and then help people seize it. That's why Habakkuk says, make it plain so people can run with it. Leaders, help people see plainly and clearly what's coming, and then help people to go after it and get it. What a great way to serve people. <laughs> What a great way to serve people, to help people see the future, to see vision, to have vision from God, and then help them get it. I believe you are called to be that type of servant, that type of leader. My mentor, Pastor Joel Stockstill, says, if you think ahead, you'll get ahead. <laughs> it's true. If you think ahead, you'll get ahead. And it's not just thinking in the natural, but in the spirit if you'll pray ahead if you'll pray and think ahead you'll see what's coming and you'll be ready for it thinking ahead is the game changer <laughs> if we want to be successful servants of God powerful leaders for the kingdom 
we need to be we need to have the face of the lion the ox the human and the eagle we need courage hard work compassion and vision and one more final and extremely important observation all of them did one thing and for this why don't we go ahead and stand the creatures with the four faces and then the other description the four different creatures each with a different face they all did one thing they worshipped they worshipped one thing all servants of God must learn to do is worship they cried out holy 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 maybe you want to just shut your eyes for a moment to focus there's one thing we see them all doing they worship just right there where you are could you just begin to worship the Lord holy 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 is the Lord the whole earth is filled with your glory the heavens declare your righteousness as the waters cover the seas so shall the whole earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God holy 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 is the Lord holy come on just begin in your own words you can say holy you can say whatever comes out holy is the Lord holy is the Lord Lord I want to be courageous I want to be a hard worker I want to have compassion I want to have vision but first and foremost I want to be your worshiper holy 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 are you Lord just before we end our service today with worship I want to know really quickly does anybody in the house this morning need to give your life to Jesus if you came here today you know first if you want to be a servant of God if you ever want to be a leader you've got to first be a disciple if you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus you can make that decision right now if you've never repented of your sins and given your life to Jesus you can do it right now and you will be born again you'll receive a new life you'll receive eternal life or maybe you used to be following Jesus but lately you haven't been following Jesus maybe maybe you've been backslidden and today you want to come home to God you want to surrender your life to him again right now just with every head bowed and every eye closed because this is such a, a personal decision if that's anybody in the house this morning you say I need to be born again or I was born again but I've been backslidden and I need to come back home to God today I want to rededicate my life to Jesus if that's you just really quickly would you slip your hand up okay who else says that's me I want to pray with you anybody else say that's me rather it's the first time giving your life to Jesus or you want to rededicate your life 
All right, for those few that raised their hand, you know what? Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know that's you. I want to ask all of us together, let's pray this prayer. You can use my words, but I invite you to use your own words and mean it. But let's say something like this. Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you today. I believe you came for me to save me. Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent of my sin. I haven't been close to you. I haven't been following you. I'm living my own way. Come on, let's say this all together in support of those who are praying it. I've been living my own way. But today, I repent. I turn away from sin. I turn my heart to you. Jesus, save me. Set me free. I'm coming home today. I receive new life. Holy Spirit, come and touch me. Fill me. Help me to follow Jesus. Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through His Word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.